That story is recorded in Exodus chapter 14. What you just watched was from the 1956 epic film, The Ten Commandments. How many have ever seen that before, the, the whole thing? Okay, some of you haven't. It'd be good to get that from a library or get it online or something and, and watch that. Uh, we're going to talk about this great miracle. It's a huge, it's a huge miracle that happened. It's, where else have we seen a story of a sea parting so people could walk through to the other side? It's, it's a big miracle. It's recorded in the Bible so that we could be reminded again and again that God is bigger than our problems, no matter how big the problems are. So if you came this morning feeling like you had a big problem you're dealing with, Maybe it's a physical problem or, or a financial problem or a relationship problem. What, whatever it is, you feel like this is big and you kind of feel cornered. That's exactly what Israel felt, cornered. Before them is this sea that they can't cross. They don't have any boats. Behind them is the Egyptian army. And they're being squeezed in the middle. Pressure from both sides. And they're not sure which way to turn. And God solved the problem. He will solve your problem. The story is recorded to remind us that he will solve our problems. So uh, today what I want to do is I want to share with you five uh, principles, action steps Five practical things that we all need to do to break out of our corneredness. Nothing's worse than feeling like you're cornered and there's no way out. Some of us can remember being in a place like that in our life where we just felt cornered. We felt like there was just absolutely no way out of this situation. And God knows how to get us out. But we have to keep coming back to Him. And remember... Every one of those Israelites that went down into the sea to the other side had been redeemed already. Remember, God told them to take a lamb, one for each family, sacrifice it, take the shed blood, and, and put it on the doorpost of their homes. And in the process of putting it on the doorpost of their homes, God would redeem them. He would deliver them. And that was the crisis that launched them out of that bondage. God arranged that. Their sins were atoned for when they sacrificed the lamb. They had already been redeemed. How many have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb? It's good to acknowledge that and hang on to that. But that does not mean you won't have problems, big problems. I'm redeemed means God's watching out for me. God's going to help me with my problems. So let me give you these five things. And by the way, for all the boys and girls that are in here with us today, if you have one of those outlines and you make an attempt to fill these blanks in on that and you come show me afterwards, you get one of my favorite hugs, famous hugs. Okay. Everybody, all the young people, that's young people. All right, here's number one. Write this in your blank. Stand your ground. 
stand your ground. If you're caught and trapped, you got to stand your ground. The easiest thing is to cut and run. Verses, uh, we, I'm getting this from the, verses 13 and 14. Let's read this from the Bible story. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. The deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Stand your ground. Don't run. Don't hide. Don't try to finagle your way out of it. This, I, I firmly believe God sets up crises in our lives so that he can come through and give us a breakthrough out of that when we call on him. If we don't call on him, he'll let us wallow in the crisis. So again and again, we got to keep coming back to him. We have to keep reaching out to him. Stand your ground. Notice in that scripture we just read, there were three instructions God gave them. Instruction number one, don't be afraid. Fear is the opposite of faith. Fear is having confidence in the negative. We have to trust God. You understand what I'm saying? That's hard to trust God and not try to get yourself out of the mix. Don't be afraid. The second thing, he says, stand firm. Because the, the natural temptation in the middle of a crisis is to surrender, give up, put our hands up and say, I quit. I guess this is my lot in life. I guess this is, this is all I can, all God has for me. And just accepting the situation. We're in a spiritual battle. We need to stop accepting our situation. We need to be asking God, how can I get out of this? How can I be an overcomer? How can I be an ambassador for Christ with this dilemma in my life? How can I break free from this? And as we begin asking God that, we begin pressing in and praying in that direction, God begins setting up circumstances to get us to break out of that. And the third, third thing he tells them to do is be still. Oh, no, that's hard. Because the typical reaction when we find ourselves cornered into go is going into this frenzied panic of actions to try to fix it. And God is saying, be still. Be still and know that I am God. And if we're so busy trying to finagle our way through life, we sometimes forget that God is there to help us through this journey of life. All right, so that's the first one, stand your ground. The second thing I want us to see from this story, action step, practical thing that we need to do, is found in verses 15 and 16. The story continues to unfold. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Here's the point. Take an action step. You have to do something. 
Moses, what's that in your hand? God had asked him that question earlier when he God appeared to him on the burning bush, the top of the mountain. And he told Moses, I'm sending you back to Egypt to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses said, well, who am I? What's, who am I to talk to Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the earth? Who am I to tell him what he's going to do? If I tell the Israelites that I'm representing God, they're going to say, which God? And God responds, Moses, what is that in your hand? This, this is just my shepherd's staff. This is just the tool I use to raise sheep. And God said, throw it down on the ground. And he threw it down, and it immediately came to life and began to writhe like a snake. What, a seven-foot-long snake? And he watches that thing come to life, and he does the same reaction you and I would do. Whoa! And then God says, now take that thing by the tail. Now, one thing I know about life is you never pick up a snake by its tail. You don't do that. But when he grabbed it by the tail, it immediately stiffened up and turned back into the wooden snake or wooden staff. And he carried that staff for the rest of his life, remembering the power of God at work in that staff. This represented God. He always could remember back to what God had done before the burning bush. He always had that in his mind. It was always a representative of the power of God. And now they're cornered. They're cornered between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army that's closing in. And God said, I want you to take that staff and lift your hand out over the sea to part it. Now Moses knows he can't part water. That's something that we learned in physics just can't be done. But when he stretched his hand out over it, the waters parted. It was the power of God. It wasn't the confidence of Moses. It was the power of God at work. But Moses had to take that action step of lifting his hand and holding the staff out. You and I have to take action steps. We have to do something if we're going to see a breakthrough with God. I'm reminded in the New Testament, there was this woman who had this huge problem. It was huge to her. And she'd had it for years. Her body was discharging blood, hemorrhaging. She couldn't stop it. She went to all the physicians, spent everything she had. Nobody could make it any better. She knew this is a serious problem. My last resort is I've heard some things about Jesus. I've heard that he heals people. So she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, not talking about touching him, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. So she figured out the path of least resistance for Jesus, who is moving down the streets with a crowd of people pressing in all around him. She figures the path of least resistance is coming from behind. And so she wiggles her way through the crowd and she gets up to where Jesus is and reaches down and touches the hem of his garment 
And immediately when she touches that garment, Jesus stops dead in his tracks. And he says, who touched me? The disciples said, Master, everybody's touching you. What do you mean, who touched you? And he said, no, virtue, goodness, something inside of me has drained out. I felt something happen. I felt something go. Who touched me? And at that, the woman humbly confesses, it was, it was me. I did it. And Jesus encouraged her because it was her faith that has made her whole. And she was healed at that very moment. It was a miracle. Listen, she had to take an action step. It would never be enough to say, God, would you please heal me? Would you do some supernatural miracle? Would you send someone along who can pray for me? That's not enough. She can pray all she wants. She has to take an action step. Jesus was always giving people action steps to take. If you go do this, then you see your miracle. Jesus was staying with Peter, and Peter was outside the house, and some folks came by, and they began to criticize Peter and Jesus to Peter. They said, we're supposed to pay the temple tax, but you and your disciples, they don't pay the temple tax. Why don't you pay the temple tax? Peter said, oh, we do, we do. And then he went inside, and he says, uh, Lord, there's people outside saying we don't pay temple tax. We do, don't we? And Jesus said, you know, so we don't offend them. So we don't offend them. That's a good point. If you want to reach people for Christ, don't offend them. If you want to reach people for Christ on Facebook, don't be putting stuff on there that's going to alienate yourself from the very people you're trying to reach. Somebody say amen. Amen. Was Okay, I'm not going to go there anymore. Uh, so Peter responds, and he said, I want you, so we don't offend him, you go fishing. Catch the first fish. Look in its mouth, and you'll find a coin. Go and pay a temple tax for you and me. So Jesus did pay the temple tax, but notice Peter could have said, come on, going to find a fish with a coin in its mouth. What a waste of time. I'm not going to do that. But he didn't. He had to go fishing and catch that fish. Had he not gone fishing, he would have never seen the breakthrough. They would have never had the finances. God is always asking people to go do something. Go do something. Spits on the ground, makes mud, puts it on a man's eyes, and tells him to go wash it off. It's in the going and washing it off that the miracle occurred. There's an action step required. We see that again and again in the Bible. And we need to recognize if we want to see God bring breakthroughs in our lives, we've got to take some action steps. We have to do something uh, that, that pleases God to, to create the action. So as Moses is there ready to stretch his rod out, his staff out over the water, there's this pillar of fire, pillar of cloud. They could see day and night. They could see that thing. It had led them from the, the place of bondage where they had been working. It led them out into the wilderness and right up to the Red Sea. They were in that dilemma. They were in that place of not being able to go any further because God led them there. Are you getting this? 
Sometimes God will lead you to right in the middle of your problem, right in the middle of an entanglement. When Moses stretched his hand out, that pillar of fire lifted itself up, represents the Holy Spirit, and set itself down behind them between the Egyptian army and themselves. The same Spirit of God that led them out of bondage, led them to a dilemma, and then defended them from the enemy. The Holy Spirit will do the same thing in our lives today. Do you believe that? We need to keep reminding ourselves of that or we will we'll lose sight of what God wants us to see. All right, that's number two. Take an action step. Here's, here's the third step. We got to step into the deep. We got to go out over our heads. In verses 21 and 22, it says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. You got to step into the sea. Now most of us would be spending time praying, oh God, Take this problem away. Take the sea out of my life. Remove the obstacle. Remove this, Lord. In the name of Jesus, move. Nothing would have happened. Because they had to go through their problem. They had to go through the obstacle. They had to go through the difficulty. They're really squeezed between two big obstacles. The sea and the Egyptian army. One of them God's got to deal with or you can't get away. One of them has, God's got to do some kind of a sovereign miracle with either one of them. You look ahead and you see no way and you look behind and, and you say oh no. And you're caught in the middle. Now, some of us in this room can remember a point in our life when we were caught like that. Caught in the middle and there was no way out. But God delivered you. Here you are today. God's a miracle worker. And he's not done doing miracles and he's not done leading you into victory. You got to step into the deep. We need to remind ourselves that we are on a spiritual journey through a natural world. It's a supernatural journey that we go on. But we're dealing with natural things like water, armies, real problems, real difficulties. Debt is like an enemy that can squeeze us in and choke us. I don't know why, but I feel like this, this phrase, love triangle, comes to my mind right now like the Spirit of God may be saying or somebody here engaged in a love triangle you're caught in the middle and you don't know how to get out God can get you out but you've got to look to Him they, okay so let's picture this here the Israelis are Moses is responsible for them they're all looking to Him 
to tell them what they're going to do now. Moses is a little bit freaked out like you and I would be in that situation. Everybody's leaning on him. Everybody's going to blame him if it doesn't go well. And Moses doesn't know what to do. He looks ahead and he can see this sea. But God just told him to raise his hand and his staff to part the sea. God just told him what the intent was. And I'm sure Moses didn't have a whole lot of confidence in himself right here. Neither would you. But he raised his hand. He did what the Lord told him to do. And the waters parted. He can see, he can see what's ahead. Water parting. He can see the bottom. But it goes way across to the other side. What's over there on the other side is an unknown. Now I know this, the 1956 film that we just watched was a bit overdramatic. <laughs> but could you tell they were trying to give us an expression of fear in the people's eyes, faces, as they were moving down into that? You and I would be more freaked out than that. This is a scary thing. I mean, the Red Sea is a long ways across. They probably can't even see the other side, or maybe they can way over there. But what's going to happen if we get down in there and the Lord changes his mind? Or what if this really is a trick for the judgment of God for something I did in my past? What if this doesn't work out? That's kind of the fear we all have in this faith journey. What if? What if? And the only thing you can do is obey and walk the walk. Go into the deep. Here's number four. The fourth thing. We need to know that the Lord fights your battle. The Lord fights your battle. Verses 23, 24, and 25, it says, The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, Let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. It was the Egyptians that recognized the Lord was fighting for them. There comes a time when we deal with so many obstacles in doing what we think is the right thing to do that we say to ourselves, you know, this, there's so many obstacles, this has got to be God closing the door. This has got to be God. You know, we expect difficulties from Satan. But when it becomes so intense, you recognize it's God, you don't fight against it. You, you don't fight against God. You don't run away from God. Trust me, I tried it. It don't work. He knows where to find me. He knows where to find you. The Lord fights your battle. The Israelites knew they couldn't fight the Egyptians. They knew that. All they could do is focus on the sea and getting across the sea. What 
will it look like if we were on the other side on dry ground? If we didn't have to worry about the Egyptians anymore? If we didn't have to worry about slavery anymore? If we didn't have to worry about the bondage anymore? What would it look like if we were on the other side and God was prospering our way? God was blessing us. He was opening doors. He was showing His favor upon our lives. What would that look like for them? They had to envision that. And you and I have to envision it for ourselves. What would it look like if I was free from that debt? What would it look like if I was free from that, that oppressive relationship? What would it look like if I got free? What would that look like? Picture it in our minds. And what would it look like to get from here to there? What kind of steps would it require to get from here to there? Somebody's up to their eyeballs in debt. That's oppression. That's bondage. What would it look like if you got out of that debt? And what would it look like to get you from here to there? Think about that. Think about that. Envision that. That's what, he was, that's what he's doing. And understand that God's ways are not your ways. God doesn't think like you think. I have to keep reminding myself of that. Because our natural tendency is to recreate God in our own image. And we think God thinks like we think. And God's plans are like our plans. And what we think is good is obviously what God thinks is good. Maybe not. God's ways aren't our ways. And what we think will get us from here to there isn't the way God sees us getting from here to there. You know, God, I don't know about you, but God rarely leads me down the shortcut. I'm always taking the long way around. So, how did the Lord fight against them? It said the Lord threw them into confusion. You know what confusion is, don't you? That's when you're mixed up and you don't know to go left or right and you're not sure and you forget and you just, it's, it's confusion. You don't have clarity. You don't know where you're going. That's confusion. There's another story in the, uh, in the Old Testament historical books, not sure where, I didn't look it up. There's a story about two uh, enemy nations joined together, created an alliance so that they could defeat Israel. And they were going to attack Israel, and Israel got scared, and Israel prayed. And the, the Bible says that the Lord confused those two nations in the dark of night, and they attacked one another, and they destroyed each other. And it, not, one, not one Israeli got hurt in the whole thing, but the two armies wiped each other out. He uses the word confusion there. God confused them. Now, there's a difference between God confusing somebody and you being confused. I've been confused about some things. How many have ever been confused? They give you this form to fill out, and you say, what's the answer to that? How do I come up with that information? Confusion. King James uses the word troubled. I think... God uses confusion in my life, and I'm, this, this, I'm saying this as a model because it's likely he does the same with you. God uses confusion in our lives 
to get us to where we have to call out to him. If I had clarity, I wouldn't need to call out to God. I'd just take care of the problem by myself. But when I don't have clarity, I'm confused. I'm mixed up. I'm not sure which way is best. I lose if I do this. I lose if I do that. How do I win? That's confusion. I think God's allowed me to be confused over the years with some things to bring me to my knees so that I have to humble myself and call out to him for an answer. All right. I got one more. Number five is tell the story. Tell the story. We read this in verses 26 through 29. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Notice verse 29 there is telling us what had already happened before this. It tells the story again. In the next chapter, we see a song of deliverance. Everybody sang this song. The horse and its rider thrown into the sea. They're rejoicing what God had done. They put it in a song so that everybody could sing it. And then Miriam comes on and she does a, another song. She adds it. This is three times in a row they're telling the story. It's found in the next chapter, chapter 15. And all down through history in the Old Testament, we find them retelling the story. Reminding of what God did to deliver them. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul had a dramatic experience on the road to uh, Damascus where he had an encounter with Jesus Christ, changed his life, turned him inside out. He was never the same again. And a little bit later in the book of Acts, when people were confused about why Paul was so determined, why he was so adamant about his new faith, he told him the story of his encounter with Jesus Christ. A little bit later, it's the same thing. People are questioning, why, why, why are you so determined in preaching this? He told him the story the third time. Paul was always going back to that encounter he had. Do you have a story to tell? Has God touched your life? Has God changed you? Has God broken some, some, some stronghold in your life and set you free? We have a story to tell. Let's not be afraid to retell the story. It's the good news of what Jesus Christ can do for us. The same source, natural water, H2O in the Red Sea, is what delivered Israel and destroyed Egypt at the same time. God will use natural elements like water to give us a breakthrough and to hinder the enemy if we just call on him. Because we have, because if we've gotten out of bondage in Egypt and we've gotten across over here uh, into the wilderness headed for the promised land, we've got to burn our bridge behind us. 
We cannot keep that, we cannot keep one foot in my old life and the other foot in the new life. I have to make my mind up where I'm going to go. I have to make some decisions with my life. You have to make some decisions with your life. And God closed that water up, not only to destroy the enemy, but also to burn the bridge. Israel can never go back into Egypt again. They can never go back into that bondage. David did that when he stood up against Goliath. Pastor Adam, I think it was, talked about that a couple weeks ago. Put that stone in a sling, sent that thing flying, hit Goliath in the forehead, knocked him flat. But that wasn't enough. He had to come over and pick up Goliath's huge sword and take off his head. He had to finish it. He had to burn the bridge. He had to make sure Goliath never rose his head again. And you and I have to take those obstacles, those barriers, those things that, that, that confine us and corner us. And we've got to separate that and never allow that to raise its head again in our life. We've got to be separate from that. Paul said it like this, resist the devil and he will flee. The assumption is if you don't resist the devil, he's going to stay right there and hold you back and hang around you like an anchor hanging around your neck, and it'll stay right there. So we have to burn the bridge behind us and keep telling the story. For my own benefit, I have to keep telling the story. I have, it's good for me to remind myself where I come from and what my life was like before Christ. I have to keep reminding myself or I go back to the default position, just like I was before. Can't do that, can we? So I want you to, in closing, I just want, I want you to think about this obstacle in your life. Think about this thing that's got you cornered. Think about this thing that causes such confusion and makes you feel trapped. I want you to think about that thing in your life. Lord, I want to pray right now for my brothers and sisters as they're thinking about their entrapment, the situation that holds them back and ties them down. Lord, I pray for that very thing, that you will give them insight to know what is the action step they need to take. Help them to clearly see who the enemy is that has gotten them entangled. Help them to see if they had a part in bringing that entrapment. Father, when, it was our, when it's our responsibility, we pray you'd forgive us. Give us another chance. But Father, where was the enemy that brings us into that entrapment? We want to speak to Satan and tell you, you've got to be gone in Jesus' name. You can no longer hold the children of God in bondage. Release them. Set them free in Jesus' name. Father, help us to live our lives in a way that honors you. Keep telling our story. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. As I was, uh, as I, was I, I arrived at church last night, and my uh, two, my, excuse me, my second grade granddaughter was here in Saturday night service, and as I was coming in the door, she met me, and and she said, Grandpa, I went to the fair and I rode a ride. And I, and I thought, great. And she said, it went so high and so fast. 
I thought she was going to say, I got sick, but she didn't. She said, all my friends were on it with me. And I thought, what a great line. I went through a crisis and all my friends went through it with me. We can go through crisis if we go through it with our friends. This is where the church comes in. We are friends. We are in the family of God. And when we go through hard times, when we go through a wild ride, our friends go through it with us. This is why we need to stay connected. This is why we need one another. Because we're all going through a wild ride. Your ride might not be too wild right now, but you know from experience it'll get wild again. And it's good to go through it with our friends. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you that we've come together and we've been stirred and challenged with uh, the Word of God. We pray that you'd help us to apply it to our lives and act out what you want us, what, what you, the deliverance that you've recounted in this story. Help us to live in a way that honors you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Go with God. He loves you. Have a great day.